How many of you have ever heard the phrase, there's gold in them there here hills? Huh? There's gold in them there, 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 there. Yeah, see, I'm a city guy. Did you, did you know that that comes from Mark Twain's 1892 novel, The American Claimant? He supposedly got it indirectly from a Georgia assayer, Dr. Fleming Stevenson, who said, there's millions in it to keep locals from heading to California for the gold rush in 1849. So he was trying to keep them in, in, in you know, this area instead of uh, running to Colorado, so, or running to California. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit of, of knowledge. And why? And why bring that up? Because there's something called fool's gold that also became very common, and of course a saying that was used uh, for decades up until recently. I haven't really heard it used much anymore, but it has definite relevance when somebody does use it intentionally. Having to do with the fact that you could actually be mining in the exact same place amongst other miners who were mining and panning the rivers for gold and think you found gold and it wasn't the real thing but it sure looked like it and a lot of people got fooled by it and uh, even sold it and got money for it until it all got worked out and eyes became keener and they had ways to tell what was real gold and not gold but especially from a distance you didn't you didn't know the difference. It was exactly like the real thing. I've been thinking a lot about an issue of um, fool's gold in the in the realm of the in the spiritual realm, in the kingdom of God. Because most recently, there have been some individuals, some very high-profile influencers in the body of Christ who have deconstructed in their faith and left the faith. Let me introduce you to two of them. Jeff, first slide. Okay, so this is Joshua Harris. Uh, Joshua was born in December uh, 1974 in Dayton, Ohio. He's an American author and former pastor, and his book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye in 1997, put him on the map big time. That became the manifesto for the uh, dating purity movement. And uh, many, many hundreds of thousands of people have read that book. It was over a million bestseller. <clears throat> and uh, it, it completely shaped a whole movement in, in the church. Then he also became the lead pastor of Covenant Life Church, and uh, that was the founding church of the Sovereign Grace Ministries, which became also sort of a whole movement of which there were several other branches of that church besides the main headquarters one that he pastored. In 2018, Harris disavowed I kissed dating goodbye and discontinued its publication. 
In 2019, he announced that he was separating from his wife and that he is not a Christian. Harris is 44 years old. Next, please, Jeff. This is Marty Sampson. Marty Sampson was born in May of 1979. He's an Australian contemporary worship music singer, songwriter, musician, and worship leader at the Hillsong Church. Now, if there's anybody present that hasn't heard at least that word in reference to church or music or whatever, uh, not sure where you've been, but Hillsong is not only an enormous uh, church movement now, uh, internationally and globally, there's churches, Hillsong churches everywhere, but uh, out of Hillsong came a worship movement called Hillsong Worship and then various alliterations of it that have spawned some of the greatest uh, worship music we all have sung, and I mean all of you have sung uh, Hillsong music at one time or another, and since Marty Sampson penned and authored and helped write uh, a great many of those songs and has played on almost every Hillsong record, you've heard Marty Sampson sung some of his songs and uh, heard him sing. From the late 1990, uh, 1990s, he fe was featured on the Youth Alive albums. And one of the original Hillsong United bands were as one of the original, he is one of the original Hillsong United bands worship leaders. His main instrument is guitar, but he also plays piano, flute, and drums. Okay, so... Uh, Enough about that. Just in the past week, Samson came out on his uh, Instagram, his Instagram app, and posted that he was deconstructing in his Christianity. Needless to say, this is very disconcerting because these are very high profile people who've been part of great movements. They're not like fringe movements. They're not like out in the woods handling snakes and being different and weird. We've sung their music, we've read their books. They've been around the who's who of Christianity. If anybody had assets, resources, uh, counseling, a great pastoring, it would be these people, and of course Joshua Harris was pastor of one of the great mega churches in our country and now um, claims that he's no longer a Christian. Contrary to what you might be thinking, I do not have animus tonight, nor do I feel aggressive towards or a need to correct. In fact, I think as you'll see here, as we go through this, that I have a great deal of love and support for what's going on in their lives, but I want to bring some perspective to it. So what I'm going to do is give you a chance to see a two-minute clip and a 12-minute clip from, again, some of the who's who in Protestant Christianity. The first one is somebody you'll definitely recognize, and as you listen to these first two minutes of it, I want you to pay close attention 
to some of the things that this individual says. Then we're going to listen to a longer clip from somebody else, and then I'll, I'll make some comments following, and we're going to have communion tonight. But Jeff, if you would, go ahead and, and uh, begin those clips. So I want to ask you a question about, uh, about Christianity in, in general. Um, there have been a couple of big, uh, high-profile stories in, in recent weeks of, um, of, of men who are, you know, I believe, as a Hillsong worship leader who uh, renounced his faith or said he was walking away from his faith. Uh, the, the man who wrote the book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, you know, w- divorcing his wife uh, and, um, and, and stepping back from, from the faith. What, what do you, what's going on here uh, when you see, and, and should, how, should people be alarmed when they see leaders like this stepping back from their faith? Well, first of all, uh, they're Somebody has called them leaders. I don't. I don't recognize them as leaders. Uh, these are very young people, and I, I doubt whether they even had a very strong faith, or if they even had a faith at all to begin with. And uh, so, for whatever reason, they have decided they're going to turn their back on God and God's standards. And I, I feel sorry for them. Uh, they're in a very dangerous place to be out from under God's protection. And for me, I'm going to keep going doing what I do. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible to be the Word of God. I believe every word of the Bible. I do not understand it all, but I believe it all. And, Todd, we know uh, how uh, God warns in Revelation. He warns churches that turn their back on him. And these young men who have turned, renounced their faith have made it so public. Why they make it so public? I think they're just one publicity. And, uh, and, and that's the only reason they've done it. Otherwise, why did they just leave their faith and just be quiet about it? But no, they have to make a big thing about it, trying to get others to follow them to do the same. And I'll just say, shame on them, um, and you'll stand before God one day and give an account to Him. But I'm going to keep on doing what I do, and I'm, I'm going to keep telling people how they can have a relationship with God, how they can have their sins forgiven, and how they can have that hope of heaven one day by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Hi, my name is Mark Schlesinger. I'm part of the IHOP leadership. Been here for 12 years. There's a number of us that have just been praying and fellowshipping, responding to some of the recent announcements by people like Joshua Harris, Marty Sampson, about where they're at in their faith. What are we to do in moments like this? And so we wanted to take a few minutes just kind of in a casual conversation. I'm here with Mike Bickle. I'm here with Malachi O'Brien. He's a great friend of the ministry. He's a Baptist pastor. He's known us for years and years and years. Just a great friend. So we're here together having this conversation. So Mike, just to kick this off, you know, what are what are your thoughts? We're in a moment here, in well, a cultural moment. Yeah, because we have so many worship teams. Well, we got 40, 50 worship teams here, yeah. hundreds of singers and musicians on our staff, most of them in their 20s. Uh, most are, some in their 30s. And so they're like saying, hey, how should we respond? Okay. And one thing that's really important is that for Marty or Joshua, either one, this isn't the end of the story. I mean, good guys have hard moments. And so I don't look at this and say, this is that, it's over. I go, no, Marty, no, Jesus loves you. We love you. We're standing with you as a human being, as a believer in the body of Christ all these years. Yeah, you have a hard moment. You might say, hey, it's more. I've already made some decisions, but I know our Heavenly Father and there's a 
cry in your heart for the Lord. So this is in the end of the story. And we continue like we've always done. We show love and support. I don't mean support of wrong ideas, but support of the, the quest, the struggle, the journey. Because we're going to be there together in the ups and the downs. And so there are, the Bible clearly talks about a falling away in the generation the Lord returns. But that doesn't mean every individual that has a huge setback doesn't mean it's the final chapter of their life. And so I'm still believing, praying. And if I had a chance to talk to them, I'd show love, I'd hug them. I'd say, man, your hearts are hurting. I get it. I see a cry for honesty and integrity and being genuine. That is good. But that there's some wrong answers to that right cry. But again, the wrong answers aren't always the final answers. Absolutely. What would you say to the, the mom and the dad? that they raised their kids in church, they had them in youth group, had them in, 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 in small groups, but then they graduated and they left and they did what we're hearing about today. They, well, the college yeah. campus today is one of the most hostile environments to Christian faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of kids grow up in the faith strong, go to college in year two and three, they really take steps back and many parents are concerned, but again, parents, that's not the end of the story. What they say in their 20s is not the final statement on their life. Keep loving. Don't get into an argument, rebuke. We knew you were that way. Don't get into judgment statements. Open-hearted, embracing, honor the authentic questions because truth is never hurt by questioning it. Mm. Truth is never hurt. It never is. It's always strengthened by questions. I tell our young people all the time here, I go, anything you hear me say or any IHOP leader, if you don't see it with your own eyes and your own Bible, you question it. Mm. Just do it with a spirit of humility, but question it Mm. because truth is never hurt by examination ever, ever. And there are some real questions out there and some painful tensions in the Bible. And we're all little guys with little brains, you know, Mm. (laughs) meaning God's big. Look at the stars. How many stars do you think you could make? (laughs) I mean, he's real smart, real strong. He's got a real long history of loving people to the end. And so... I'm, we don't throw God on trial because we're confused by some questions that we have tensions with. So I'm imagining right now somebody's hear, heard this news the last couple of weeks and they're thinking to themselves, man, if 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 so and so, maybe it's Marty, maybe it's Joshua, you know, these guys that appear to be stalwarts or heroes in some of the faith, if they're wavering, what does this mean for me? What do you say to that guy? I say I've been a pastor almost what 44, 45 years, we're getting close to that, and I know thousands that aren't falling. (laughs) Thousands that have been steady for 40 years. And we've hit these questions in our 20s and 30s. Not that they're limited to young people, but I hit some real hard questions and did a couple of these, you know, double takes like, Lord, whoa. And a lot of my friends have, you know, that have been in the faith that are my age in their 60s and and some in their 70s. So yes, some are stumbling and they don't have the answers and they're embracing wrong answers, but millions are not. So I would say, we don't look at this one stumbling and saying, that's my future. No, we look at the one stumbling with compassion and tenderness. And if we're grounded in the word in a biblical community of godly relationships, lots of mercy, lots of hugging and sticking yeah. together, yeah. we can make it through those hard times together. What do you say about the guy that would say, okay, I get all that, but man, it's really hard right now. I, I'm not seeing prayer work. I'm, I'm questioning whether or not miracles work. I'm actually questioning even if this, if the word of God is actually real. How do you answer those questions? Well, 
again, if they've been questioning for three to five years, I say, give it a little more time. There's a big issues at hand. They're worth four, five, ten years of struggling without all the clear answers. So don't conclude too quickly. You're only on the earth one time and you only got one human spirit. So just be careful with it. Go, But it's okay to question. Mm -hmm. It's okay to even stumble a little bit. Stay in fellowship with Christians. Don't Mm -hmm. get adversarial argumentative to where now I can't come and face you and you can't face me because we've said harsh words to each other with different opinions. Let's stick together in this. But when I look at the, the... statement of that one of them said about miracles you know what how come no one's talking about miracles well the bible makes clear that miracles have happened through history and therefore today no question about it and i am seeing more and more miracles in the last 10 years i don't just mean in my ministry but the reinhardt bonkies just across the earth more todd white more there's many 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 more and more in the last 10 years than my first 10 years of ministry which was about 40 years ago (laughs) more and more but still not near as many as we want to see the the number's still too small but here's what i think troubles people is hype Mm -hmm. and and i'm not i'm a part of the charismatic community in terms of experience and and i appreciate that part of the body of christ but i am troubled by how much hype is in some of the charismatic camps yeah meaning the exaggeration on the stage the manipulation the overstating things that don't have the forcing people to buy into are you feeling the power do you and they go yeah or they get re- they feel rejected if they don't say yeah yeah you know and i've seen i think a lot of stuff is fake <laughs> and i don't think wow. it's 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 charlatan deceivers mm. i think it's people saying i don't want to be left out i don't want to be left behind yeah yeah, I, th- I did a miracle, I think, sort of, kind of. And I go, you don't need to do that. We don't need to help the Lord out by faking manifestations, faking healings, overstating healings. Yeah. The numbers are more than they were before, and they're going to really increase. But they're not at the level we want. And a whole lot of testimonies, I don't buy lots of testimonies, <laughs> but there's real ones. And I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater because there's fake you know, preachers that manipulate crowds oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. because there's fake manifestations and fake healings doesn't mean they're all fake. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, I work through, I want to see the gold in the midst of all the, you know, the, the, the rust and the negative. Mm-hmm. So if you're only looking at the fake, you're going to miss a lot because there's a greater story going on. The gold is there and it is increasing, not as much as I want, but I believe it's going Absolutely. to. And that's, that's actually really, really insightful and really, really, I mean, just to hear you actually be honest about that. I think lots yeah. of guys are getting more honest about that in the charismatic realms. Yeah, one of the things I've heard Mike say. And I love years, the charismatic realms. Yeah. I do. I, I, I love, love the charismatic I is one and we're buddies. We're buddies. Yeah, yeah, we're in this together. One of the things I've heard Mike say is, you know, he kind of repeated right now, but it's, it's worth sorting through some of the fake while that not being your focus so that you can encounter the real. And I think that actually Mike's life is a testimony to that, but to speak not not so much focused on Mike at this minute, but to the people that are wondering about this themselves, this miracle thing, I can testify personally that that principle is absolutely true. It is worth parsing through some of what appears to be real but doesn't actually isn't actually real to say oh my goodness and be patient be with patient. the people who exaggerate yeah you know, huge it's not the worst thing in the world we don't have to be so open-minded our brains fall out you exactly. know and so one of the things that's been asked what about the contradiction somebody talks about it 
that's not really true. Meaning there's multitudes of websites that address this in academic ways with accuracy because there's so many translations over 2,000 years. None of the main and plain truths are obscured. There are no contradictions in the main and plain truths. There's numbers that, wait, that said 32,000, that said 30,000, that said 3,200. What's the real? There's a contradiction. There's some of those, but there's great answers. Go to the internet. But how many pastors want to address those on Sunday morning? They got a 40-minute message. Their people need encouragement. They need instruction. We're not going to take those issues on. But to say that no one addresses them, I would say go look on the internet. That's right. Those things are all over the internet. It's this, That's the place versus the Sunday morning platform. Absolutely. If I did that on Sunday morning, our people would say, man, dude, <laughs> the, who are you talking to? We need to be encouraged right now. That's a nice history lesson, but I really can't. Yeah. I'm hurting. My family needs something. <laughs> and again, all that material's all over the internet. It really is. What do you say about to people who say, okay, you say they question their faith because they see tragedies happen like El Paso, Texas, mm-hmm. Dayton, Ohio, and they go, if there is a God, why does God allow these things to happen? Well, there's two great questions, and we'll bring this to an end here in just a moment here. There's one group of people that cry out, oh God, where are you? Why aren't you breaking in more? And and and, and confronting evil. Then other people that are saying, oh God, oh God, uh, why do you break in and confront evil? You know, we don't believe in that. We don't yeah. believe there's any judgment. So there's two big arguments going in the body of Christ. And the Lord has a billion year, really trillions of years story line and he lets real choices be made by real people and there's a real devil Mm -hmm. evil is real love is real choices are real he didn't automate us he didn't create the human spirit and automate us we love you god we love you god he goes no i'm gonna give you real choices and your choices really matter and if they really matter i've got to let people choose evil Mm -hmm. for a season it's a short season really short season he's reasoning from the billion trillion year storyline we're typically reasoning from 10 and 20 year storylines and going, where's this going? And the Lord says, you can be sure of one thing. I am doing everything in my wisdom and my power to cause the most amount of people to go the deepest level of love without violating their free will. Mm-hmm. And he is orchestrating a response of love through history. Just wait till the end of the story. Mm-hmm. It will be mind blowing. Mm-hmm. This I'm sure of. That's awesome. Absolutely. So my question to you is, did you notice an obvious difference between the first clip and the second clip in the, the spirit, I'll call it the spirit of it? So let me remind you, since we took five times as long with the second clip. Someone, first clip, someone has called them leaders. I don't recognize them as leaders. Very young people. I don't know, 40 and 44. I consider young, but when I was 40, it was like people my age were, dear Lord, don't let me ever get 60. I doubt they had very strong faith. I doubt they had any faith to begin with. Whatever reasons they've decided that they're going to turn their back on God and God's standards. That was never said. They're turning their back on God and on God's standards. Actually, none of that has been said. What both of them have said is that they're deconstructing in their Christianity. 
I can tell you and admit, quite frankly, I've deconstructed in Christian religion. And there's a lot of things about Christian religion that I no longer embrace. But I have absolutely fallen in love with the Bible and Jesus. Jesus didn't come to start a Christian religion. I wish I could get with both of these guys. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible to be the word of God. I believe every word in the Bible. Okay. Revelation warns of impending judgment for those who leave the faith. Why do it publicly? They just want publicity. Shame on them. They're trying to get others to follow them. Uh, I have the highest respect for um, the Graham family. I have met, personally met, and spent a weekend with one of the Graham daughters. And uh, she is totally charismatic and totally spirit-filled and totally an awesome individual. And I have the highest respect for Daddy Graham, who's since, of course, passed away. I'm not sure Dad, Dad Graham would have said all of these same things. But I think we need to be really, really careful in our evangelicalism, in our claim to believe the Bible and every word of the Bible, that we not cast dispersion on individuals like Marty and, and uh, Brother Joshua when God has not cast that dispersion on them. And I say that boldly. So I, I want to point out just before we have a communion a couple of things that I think about and that my mind went to when I first read these stories. Jeff, this is what I would call uh, the claim of transactional Christianity. Can you all see? And it comes from John 1.12. Now, this is not like a bad scripture or something. I'm talking about an interpretation taken from it. You all know it very well, or, you know, not that you could quote it or whatever, but you've heard it. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So in other words, if you do this, God will do that. This is the same type of Christianity that Brother Graham is talking about when he says, or makes the comment, I feel sorry for them. They're in a very dangerous place to be out from underneath God's protection. So in other words, they've done this. That removes them from underneath God's will, blessing, and protection. So now they're going to reap judgment. It's a very similar thing to this if we take it for face value, yet to all those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And I preach this for decades as, but to you who do not receive him, you are under the judgment of God and you are going to go to hell, which is not at all what it says. So I, I want to share with you a translation from an individual called Francois Dutois, who's written... It's not the entire Bible. It's a translation of the letter of Paul, the letters of Paul, and uh, the entire letter of John now. He's done the complete book of Revelation. Uh, he's working on it, gradually, you know, working on getting the entire New Testament done. This is that same verse. 
Everyone who realizes their association in him, convinced that he is their original life, and that his name defines them, in them he endorses the fact that they are indeed his offspring, begotten of him. He sanctions the legitimacy of their sonship. Next slide, please. So here's some notes that Francois gives us regarding why he translated certain Greek words the way that he did in that verse. For instance, the one receive, which of course makes a big deal in how you're going to interpret the structure of that verse and the real meat of it. The word receive is critical. The word often translated receive, which is the Greek word labano, means to take in hand to comprehend, to grasp, or to identify with. Neither God's legitimate fatherhood nor his ownership is in question. It's mankind's indifference to their true origin is the problem. So here's the deal. It, it's kind of like, to all who received him, to them he gave the power, and don't go to the next, thank you, Jeff, uh, to become the sons of God. It's more like the parting of a curtain. It's more like the stepping through a fog than it is transactional Christianity. I know this is a fine line to draw. You say, you mean, Jeff, you don't believe we need to believe? No, I absolutely believe we need to believe. I'm trying to find a little more carefully what believing looks like because now we have two very high profile leaders in the body of Christ, and there have been others. I'm, I'm choosing these two because the conversation is red hot right now. And these, these two are so well known. See, if I had lunch, if I was able to sit down and have lunch with either of these individuals, I'll tell you where I would start. Marty, I believe you have spent the last 20, 25 years of your life in transactional Christianity, and you're tired of it. Joshua, I, I believe from a very young age, you got taught a certain way of Christian religion, which had you in this mode of transaction. If I do this, if I have good behavior, if I am a good man, if I do good things, if I obey, then God will do this. When he says receive, Jeff, please put that back up. He's not just talking about like me taking something from your hand. He's talking about comprehending or grasping or identifying with. Do, do those words have any nuance of explanation? Go to the next slide, please, Jeff. This is a further note. This is an important point since many translations of this verse suggest that God's ability to make us his sons can only be in response to something we must first do in order to trigger God into action. Our grasping is simply the awakening to the fact that our genesis is already completed in the Logos, Jesus. 
The Logos is the source. Everything commences with him. Now again, I'm going to tell you, I absolutely believe in a new birth. I absolutely believe that when I lambano, when I grasp, when the curtain parts and I reach and I take for myself through believing what Christ did for me, that there is experientially something that makes a difference, that changes my life. But I absolutely have disowned in my own deconstruction this idea that Christianity is built upon a transactional relationship with God where if I do this he does this if I don't do this then he's going to judge me and send me to hell if I don't go through the four spiritual laws or the Roman road or what your church believes I should do as an order to things, then I am not forgiven, not saved. Jesus hasn't come into my heart, and I'm going to miss uh, God's blessing. But I promise you, I do not know these two gentlemen beyond what I have read, what I've heard, what I've sung, what I've enjoyed in their books, their music, and so forth. So I, I can't stand here as an expert. But I am going to bet you that both of them are steeped in a transactional flavor of Christianity to where their spirit man that is alive in God that God has poured his grace upon like you heard about in the second clip you know what made the second clip you know why I played 12 minutes of a that second clip I wanted you to hear the grace Right? I wanted to. Somebody sent an Instagram post, and I just happened to see it. And, and there was a pic, it was a short video, and then and it had nothing to do with, with, uh, with Marty, uh, Joshua or Marty. Uh, it, it had a short clip, and then, and some of you probably saw this, and, and then a caption. And the caption said, What happens when you continue in sin? and it run, runs away. And so you click on it and it starts playing this and this girl, this little girl, young girl, teenager, probably 13, is, is standing next to this enormous outdoor pool. And uh, it's, it's one of those that you can set up and fill with water and it's, I mean, you can't even see the whole pool but it, it, the, the sides of it are as tall as she is so it's an enormous pool. And it's gushing out water through some holes that have already been punched into the side of it. It's just like a, you know, kind of like a, a fire hydrant, not that, that much volume. So she takes an axe and she starts pounding on the side of this, okay. And, and with each chop, she's putting another hole in it, but that just opens up a little bit more volume. She rests for a minute, water's pouring out at her feet. She hits it a couple more times and all of a sudden the side of that breaks down. This wave of water comes, sweeps her down the hillside through the trees and through the brush. And obviously the caption, see this is what happens if you keep playing with sin. And I thought to myself, so typical of an evangelical message that people want to put out there not any different than the judgment 
being cast upon Marty and Joshua now for deconstructing in their faith that here sin you've played with it long enough is going to sweep you down the mountain and you're going to lose everything and I don't the, uh, that's not the way I viewed that video you know what I thought when I saw that video even when I'm swinging away I might even be out of the will of God things might break through in my life but the grace of God the love of God like a wave will break over me I didn't view it as the judgment of God I viewed it as the wave of God's grace that is certainly big enough to take me wherever I need to go no matter how messed up I get because he never stops loving me he never leaves me nor forsakes me we either believe that about Hebrews and the New Testament or we don't next verse these are the ones who discover their genesis in God this is the next verse now, John 1.13. Beyond their natural conception, this is not about our blood lineage or whether we are wanted or unwanted as a child. This is about our God-begottenness. We are his dream come true and not the invention of our parents. You are indeed the greatest idea God has ever had. I, I so want to sit across from anyone who's deconstructing in their faith who's mad at the church, who's mad at God, who says, I, I, I don't want all of that. I'll never go to a church again. I so want to sit across from them and say, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God's been working with you. The Holy Spirit is obviously working within you. Because I too have come to a place where I do not want the God of my youth. I do not want the God that's so pictured so often and unfortunately captured in the words of our dear brother and wonderful man of God, Franklin Graham. I'm sorry, I do not want that. I want the grace extended by the IHOP and the pastor Mike Bickle, who's been around for many, many years, has every bit the same sort of experience with evangelical Christianity <clears throat> more from a spirit-filled standpoint than Franklin does next verse first John chapter 2 verse 18 so this now is a classical verse you will hear in response over the next weeks and months to Marty and Joshua leaving their faith here's what you will read Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming and already many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged to us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they didn't belong with us. <laughs> I've already seen that verse passage referred to in relationship to these two men and their stories. It's so easy for us to take the law of the word and beat people up with it. Now, we do not have time tonight to exegete that passage. So, my best attempt in this short moment before we have communion is to share it from somebody who de deconstructs it and unpacks it from a Greek standpoint, and that would be Francois.
Jeff. Children, this is the completeness of time. The revelation of Christ brings finality and closure to the hour, which makes the Antichrist system now more apparent than ever, just as it was rumored. There are many who have positioned themselves against the Christ, blatantly opposing grace. This confirms that time has reached its most extreme context. The days of confusion between two opposing systems are over. You got the grace system now that's been introduced through Christ, and it's constantly up against the rule and law of Moses and the whole system that was introduced through the Levitical priesthood. Next. Was that it? No, okay. So, here there remains no room for hiding in compromise mode. Pretense is no disguise. The grace and the finished work of Christ has absolutely nothing in common with religious systems that continue to keep people enslaved to their programs and rituals of outdated sentimental ideas. Their departure from among us, us simply reveal that they never really embraced Christ. Careful. This is not the same language of, well, this just proves that they never believed it anyway, and because they left us, they weren't of us, so don't have any more fellowship with them. I'm with Mike Bickle. Man, if I saw either one of these guys, I'd love them, I'd hug them, I'd buy their lunch, and I'd, I'd share all these same grace things that I find my own heart enraptured with, because here is the revelation of Paul who taught the gospel to the church. Jeff? He associated us in Christ before the fall of the world. Jesus is God's mind made up about us. He always knew in his love that he would present us again face to face before him in blameless innocence. Your salvation is not a reward for good behavior. It was a grace thing from start to finish. You had no hand in it. Even the gift to believe simply reflects his faith. And I say, Amen. We'll go into this sometime and I'll teach on the fact that we believe God not in our faith, but in the faith of Jesus. It's the faith of Jesus that he gave me that enables me to believe on the Lord even. So yes, I believe we need to believe. But even that is a function of grace that the Lord gives us. It's his faith. It's not my faith. For it to be any different, Jeff, please, put it back up. Come back, come back. For it to be any different means that salvation would be a reward for good behavior. See, I believed on the Lord, and the Lord saved me. Because I started living right, and I repented of smoking and drinking and running around with women. And look, look how God now is blessing me. He gave me a new house. Uh, he's blessed my cars. I haven't been sick. And you know why? Because I've put my faith in the Lord. I am so sick of that testimony. Amen. I am so sick of that testimony. There's a different way to say the same thing, but to be sure that it's all about the grace of Jesus and that we've left that Levitical system of law and that we're operating 
And, and I just promise you now, I could be all wet. I could be completely wrong about Joshua and Marty. But I'll bet you, knowing what I do know about these systems and about these megachurches, of which I have been part of that megachurch. In fact, my pastor, Buddy Harrison, put many of these men on the map by publishing their books through Harrison House. And, and, uh, and Buddy and I were intimate. So I, I know a little bit about this, and I'm going to promise you that I bet what they're running from is not God, not Jesus, and really not faith. They're running from Christian religion and all of the transactional, I almost used a word, <laughs> stuff. Uh, is communion ready? Are we? All right. Nina, Nina will be back in a minute with communion. All right. Jeff, if you would, the last item here. Would you all just read that aloud with me? Ready? Read. Faith is not something we do to persuade God. Faith is what happens when we realize how persuaded God is about us. I love him more today, despite having just gone through, in fact, I'm not finished, I'm in the middle. <laughs> I have not finished going through. One of the most difficult times in my entire life. Many, many times, overwhelmed with emotion, tears, wishing I could run, wishing I could get out, wishing I could leave it all. Wishing, but the thing that keeps me is that I have an experience with a God of love who I know loves me so deeply that in the depth of my pain, in the depth of my wanting to leave, in the depth of my wanting to throw up my hands, he's there saying, Jeff, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. And I'm okay with your doubts. And I'm okay with your struggles. And I'm okay with the things you need to process. And I love that Mike Bickle said, two or three years? Give it a break. This might need five years, 10 years. What in, what in comparison to the timeline of the Father in the ageless past is a 10-year struggle where you deconstruct and then reconstruct with an even greater revelation of His grace. I say go for it. Amen. And Genesis wants to be a church that walks with you through it. Let's have good.